Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. It's Tuesday, January 9th. I'm your host, Stephen Overly. Today's show is special for two reasons. First, this is our 100th episode of Politico Tech. Thank you for tuning in each day as we've gotten this podcast off the ground. And please, help us keep it going. Tell your friends and colleagues they should be subscribed as well. And second, I'm on the ground in Las Vegas for the world's largest technology trade show, CES. We talk all the time on the show about major tech debates around issues like data privacy, AI ethics, and online safety. Well, CES is like a showcase for how those challenges are showing up in the products that you and I use every day. From TVs and cars to home security systems or beauty products. On the show today, I wanted to set my expectations for CES 2024. So I reached out to Gary Shapiro. Gary Shapiro, I am president and CEO of the Consumer Technology Association, the Trade Association, for over a thousand American technology companies and the owner and producer of the coolest, funnest, most interesting event in the world focused solely on innovation, the CES, held each January in Las Vegas. I was going to ask you to put CES in your own words, but uh, you just did. Yes, I did. I could describe it in different ways as well. It's really the uh, gathering place for those in the world that are focused on the business of innovation and technology and making the world better. As Gary said, he's the longtime president and CEO of the Consumer Technology Association the trade group and lobbying organization behind CES. With exhibits, and that will fill over 2.5 million net square feet of exhibit space. There's nothing in the United States or even, frankly, in the world that comes close to this. CES, as you can hear, is big and sprawling. It's my first year, so I also called up political reporter Derek Robertson, who covered CES last year and will be back again. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Long-time Politico Tech podcast listener. First time joining. It's very exciting. (laughs) Derek will be writing our Digital Future Daily newsletter from CES, so you should subscribe if you haven't already. I asked him what he's looking forward to most about this year's show. One of the main things that I'm interested in uh, sort of gauging is the extent to which AI is kind of slowly eating or dominating the consumer technology trade, you know, like... Permeating everything. Exactly. You know, to me, there's a legitimately interesting sort of like policy and technology question about this. And then I will also just be amused to see sort of what the most surely, you know, will will there be an AI-powered vacuum cleaner? Will there be, uh, you know, like a children's book that reads itself via AI? The, The novelty factor is always very exciting at CES. On the show today, I've got short interviews with Gary and with Derek. First up, Gary, on what will be different this year. One of the things about CES is, you know, for an event that's every year, there's a lot that's constant, but every year there's something new. You know, there's some new track, some new discussion, some new technology that pops up. There was one that caught my eye, which is this new series of sessions that the American Psychological Association is putting on for an event that is, you know, all about sort of this 
celebration and pageantry of these new technologies, you know, this is very much focused on the effects of that technology, like the effects of social media on teens or video games, you know, on violence. Why did you add that to this event this year? We welcome all different points of view, even sometimes people that may disagree with us at CES, because we are a platform and we recognize that as a trade show and conference producer with almost a thousand different speakers in a few hundred sessions, we need and have an obligation to present different sides of an issue. So we have policymakers of all types from around the world, obviously a huge number from Washington, both the legislative and executive branch. And we talk about different issues, but some of these are issues just are science-based and it's worthwhile having a discussion. I'm a parent, I'm an American, I represent an industry, but it's an industry that's conscious of society and it's composed of individuals that want to do the right thing. So to the extent that we shed some light on this, I think we're doing something positive. I wonder if you're seeing this show up In other parts of CES, particularly, you know, are you hearing more companies sort of take this into consideration and integrating it into the products that they are making? I think companies are very focused on not only the user experience, but also uh, what it means for society and, and, and how it affects things with various products. Every invention is just a tool. And society evolves and they, they put rules around them. That's the role of government. Make sure that the public is safeguarded and that there are guardrails in place. And from a business and company perspective, I think the view of the tech industry is, you know what? Tell us what's legal, but don't make us ask permission for everything we do because otherwise we'll lose out to every other country, you know, as an innovative country. Right now, the U.S. for years now has been in a lead of innovation. We want to maintain that, but we also want to do the right thing. I've seen analysts describe CES this year as, you know, that it's going to be a fire hose of AI or a tsunami of AI. It's technology that's showing up everywhere now. What are you expecting or what should we expect to see on that front? Well, I think you're going to see AI pervasive throughout the show. If there's one underlying technology that everyone will be talking about, it'll be AI, especially because generative AI came on a little bit over a year ago for public consumption. AI has such amazing promise in solving the most fundamental problems in, in mankind, whether in healthcare or transportation. I mean, that's what AI is, self-driving cars. You could cut down dramatically on accidents and deaths with self-driving vehicles. And in healthcare, you could actually figure out what works and what the treatments are. But all this is in an overlay of our partnership with the United Nations. We work with them to promote seven fundamental human securities, the right to clean air and clean water, the right to health care, the right to not be hungry, the right to food, the right to political involvement, the right to community. This past fall, uh, with us at the UN helping them announce it, uh, they added an eighth, and that is the right to access technology. Because technology is so fundamental in getting to the first seven, and they've recognized that technology has a lot of good. But, you know, this is something where you can look at the good aspects of technology and say, what's the promise? How can we get there? And you could also focus on the concerns. So I think that there's an opportunity, and you'll see it on the show floor, you'll see it in our partnership with the United Nations, and you'll see it with the public policymakers, which are coming to the show from around the world, including so many from Washington. How do you get companies that make this technology to sort of live by those principles you're talking about? Because CTA sort of sits at this interesting intersection, right? Being a trade organization, a lobbying organization where you, like you said, have partnerships with the UN, you you engage policymakers all the time, but you know, you also have a direct line to thousands of companies making consumer grade technologies. Um, one way is we're a very active standard setting organization. 
So we have set standards for things like how do you measure sleep? How do you measure brain waves? How do you measure steps? So you can compare the different product offerings, which is a very valuable service we provide. Sometimes we go to ask government to help take standards and, and make those, in a sense, a, a little more teeth with the government imprimatur. But the reality is they kind of police each other in the industry because anyone can bring a, a lawsuit against anyone else saying you're violating the industry standard, if you will, or, or what is known to be. Most of the companies not only have patents, but they have brand names they want to protect. And they know that it doesn't it just takes a few missteps to ruin your brand name. So I haven't yet to meet a CEO that is not concerned about their brand. Well, I want to ask you a follow-up on that because, like you said, CES has been around for decades. It's a global show. It gets this huge international presence. But obviously, the political landscape around it is always shifting. And, you know, I'm thinking in particular in recent years, we've seen all these trade restrictions and political rhetoric around technologies that are made in China or American technologies being sold to China. I mean, how does that affect your show? Is this sort of, you know, are, are you kind of an island in the political sea where everyone just comes together and gets along? Or, or do those tensions actually show up, you know, in Las Vegas? I don't know if they're tensions. I think there's viewpoints that are exchanged. Certainly, you know, trading partners of the United States have had a rough ride the last six or seven years under the last two administrations uh, with all sorts of new tariffs and things like that. And the U.S. is shifting towards isolationism by some political segments. That's not something we as an organization think is a good idea. But we recognize a certain de defense and strategic needs that can be met. It's not a secret that China has designs on Taiwan. That's very problematic for the technology world, because so much is in Taiwan, and we don't know what will happen. But, you know, since uh, Trump got in office, I think there's been this reshoring momentum that's continued under uh, President Biden. You know, he pushed the chip back through. There's things that have happened. But the discussions that occur at CES are more, these are business people that view policy and practical implications of it and recognize you can only convince people so much, but you have to respond to whatever the law is. To close us out, I'm actually going to ask for a bit of advice because I've covered CTA for a number of years. I've written about CES in the past, but this will actually be my first year attending in person. What's a first-timer mistake that I should avoid? The first-timer advice is, first of all, don't wear new shoes. Wear comfortable shoes. Good advice. Second of all, drink plenty of water. Third, back to the shoe thing, which should have been second, is objects in Las Vegas are further than they appear. Don't try to walk. That's my advice to you. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. When I called up my colleague Derek Robertson to ask his advice, he totally agreed with Gary on the whole walking thing. It feels like the biggest like corporate party that, you know, could possibly be thrown in this setting. And then you also have the, you know, the, the trade show aspect of it with just these massive outlays of consumer gadgets on display, you know, new products. It's very it can be very overwhelming. Um, what I recommend always to people, you know, I, I'm talking like I'm a grizzled veteran. But last year was my first year as well. 
I mean, I think you're a veteran on the second year. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'll, I, I always recommend people to just expect to do about 20% less than you think you're going to do, because also the strip is really big, takes a long time to get places, and you are always going to find yourself having one or two more interesting conversations than you thought you were going to. I want to talk a little bit about the importance of CES. You know, like, on the one hand, it's a trade show. People are there to, like, pedal products, like buy and sell. But I think for reporters like you and I, who cover kind of some of these big picture questions around technology, CES is also kind of an interesting place to like see how those are being answered in real time through products that we're using every single day. Almost every person you encounter, whether they're in industry, whether they're like in the think tank or nonprofit world, whether they're actually involved in government, they're very engaged with the idea of, you know, not just which one of these products is going to sell the most in Q3 this year, but like how they are going to integrate into daily life. And as you and I know, from the work that we do, like, what are the extremely thorny policy questions that are going to arise? You know, what if you develop an AI tool that becomes incredibly popular in classrooms, and then everyone realizes that it's massively infringing on copyright law and everything that it produced, and now suddenly 10th graders are all responsible for violating the intellectual property of the Walt Disney Corporation. Everyone here is thinking about these things uh, just under the surface of the, you know, the new technology that's on display. We are seeing all of these tech tensions between specifically the U.S. and China, but there, there's even disputes with the U.S. and the EU. Does that show up at all at CES where you have a global presence? I think Shapiro's response to that was was spot on from my experience. I, there isn't necessarily tension so much as there's acknowledgement of this reality that, you know, these massive multinational corporations are facing. You would be hard pressed to find something that is more of a locus of the modern globalized economy than CES. How so? The incredibly sophisticated supply chains that are involved in in producing high-tech devices you know, the fact that as we talk a lot about in Digital Future Daily and our coverage of Europe, you have companies that are almost entirely based in Silicon Valley who are essentially setting tech standards and tech policy for the world by virtue of the fact that the world wants to have access to these products. We we take a laissez-faire approach to American companies that we don't take to, you know, implementing trade controls with other countries for obvious reasons. Um, for all of those reasons, if you are, you know, a high up at, at Siemens or any of these other companies that I'm referring to, uh, it, it is in your best interest to keep trade as open as possible to keep these supply chains flowing to skirt export controls. I don't mean skirt in, you know, with connotations or, or in a negative or sneaky way. I just mean to to not be subject to anything that would restrict the free flow of trade, you know. And you can talk to anyone at any think tank in, or, you know, libertarian conservative think tank in Washington, Cato, the American Enterprise Institute, et cetera. They have a flotilla of policy wonks who are dedicated to, uh, you know, essentially making that same argument. And so the, to, to answer your actually to actually answer your question at CES, the way this manifests is by people sort of talking about commiserate with each other essentially on stage about about the global turn toward uh, more isolationist policy and to figure out how they can maintain good relationships with governments who have made that turn, including the United States, while still uh, protecting, you know, the massive trade advantages they enjoy in, in, a, in a globalized economy. 
Well, Derek, you and I have a long uh, three, four days ahead in Las Vegas, but uh, we'll be sure to check back in with you to see how the show goes. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. I will uh, see you there uh, in Pacific Standard Time. That's all for today's Politico Tech. Do you have a question that I should be trying to answer at CES? Shoot me an email at soverly at politico.com. And for more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our managing producer is Annie Reese. Our producer is Afra Abdullah. And our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. I'll see you back here tomorrow 